Hello, and welcome back to the Attribution Marketing Podcast, where we help businesses, brands, and entrepreneurs get the most out of their marketing and advertising spent. On today's episode, we have Lewis Rothkop, who is the president of Martin, the modern media buying and measurement platform for marketers who want to measure the true impact of their marketing. At LeadsRx, that sort of mission and vision really rings true with what we're trying to accomplish. So we were happy to have Lewis on the show so that he can help break down exactly how he is measuring marketing and advertising performance and how marketers are able to leverage that to get more out of their campaigns. Lewis, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you? I'm well, thanks Lucas, thanks for having me here. Yeah, great. So just if you would start off with the career arc, how did you even get in this position? Walk us through the background that led you to the position you're in today. Yeah, so I've been in the ad tech and digital media and martech industry for about 23, 24 years at this point. I um, started all the way back in the late 90s when digital marketing and, and even digital media were in their infancy and watched the industry evolve and develop and grow over the following two decades. Spent time at small companies, big companies, had a bunch of, had some uh, really great successes and wanted to take this opportunity in my third decade in the business to fix what's wrong with the space. We've built a phenomenal industry that helps a lot of people sell their products, but there are inherent challenges to the way that marketing works online that just need to get solved. And one of those things is, it sounds fundamental and basic, but helping marketers understand which of their marketing is working and, and where and why. And for me, it's an opportunity to bring together all that I've done and really try to help with this, again, deceptively simple challenge of helping marketers know if they're spending money wisely or not. So what just in your opinion, and over the past 30 years, which is, is quite a long time for anybody who's been involved in marketing and digital marketing specifically, but walk us through how you've seen that sentiment kind of change. Because a while back with traditional means, people were doing that spray and pray methodology, and now things are much different. So how far on that spectrum have we come and how much further do we have to go in terms of measurement? Great question. I wish things were structurally different today. It's really frustrating to those of us that have been doing this for even a short amount of time that you've got campaigns that run that cost a whole lot of money and marketers are optimizing them to metrics that we call vanity metrics or proxy metrics that don't tell the story effectively of whether the marketing is performant or not. And so you've got the situation where you know, perhaps it's not quite as bad as spray and pray, but when you do optimize to older metrics, click-through rate or eCPM, you're only getting half of the story uh, in your reporting at best. Um, at worst, the metrics that you're optimizing to make you feel good uh, in the moment, which is why they're called vanity metrics, but are actually causing you to do the exact wrong thing when you optimize and, and measure the success of your campaigns. The industry has come a ways along those lines over the last couple of decades, but it's still not quite there. Smart marketers are becoming more and more sophisticated about measurement and optimization and have begun to rally around this notion of incrementality, sometimes referred to as lift or incremental lift. And really simply put, that is uh, the difference between people who saw 
uh, an advertisement and took an action because they saw the advertisement from those who happened to see the ad, but we're going to take the action anyhow. If you think about that, if you're giving credit to a media partner, attribution credit for a purchase or another conversion event that would have happened regardless of the advertising, it's just wasted money. And so being able to separate causation from correlation or causation from really effective targeting is critically important to ensure that marketers are, are spending wisely. So well said, I think a lot of what you've referenced has to do, or at least expands over into this sort of digital broadcast, right? OTT, streaming, things like that, podcasting, audio, where we're blending what's possible in that digital space with what's possible in the broadcast space. Am I understanding that right? Is that sort of the set of campaigns and strategies that, that you're discussing? Or are you applying these concepts to all marketing platforms, digital, traditional, and that middle ground as well. It's such a good point. Such a good point. So when you think about the shift to CTV and you think about the growth of streaming audio, what can't you do when you're watching an ad on your television? You're probably not going to click. You're probably not going to take some conversion action while you're sitting on your living room couch 10 feet behind the screen. When you're driving in your car uh, and you're going to work and you're listening to your favorite podcast, I hope you're not going to click. Even if there were a mechanism, it would be crazy for you to do. And so measuring the, the sort of future of digital advertising, which is CTV and, and OTT and, and audio, using really outdated metrics not only tells the wrong story, but it encourages marketers to not spend in these new channels because uh, they just can't get similar metrics out of them. The problem is not with CTV, OTT, and, and streaming audio, or digital out of home, for instance. The problem is how many marketers are measuring the entirety of their digital advertising. Again, doing it with old metrics like click-through rate are just totally in when you're talking about new media and the shift to video. You're missing out on, on a great opportunity and you're missing an understanding of what is working and what you should do to optimize to more media that are working and away from those that aren't by using metrics that are, are just not applicable to the modern era. Fair point. I think I want to, to, to go back a little bit. When you mentioned incrementality, we've had other guests and, and I've certainly worked with a lot of marketers and advertisers out there who might struggle with that concept of incrementality only because you need, as far as I understand it, please correct me if I'm wrong, a certain level of scale, a certain level of accuracy in that sort of scientific experiment, if you will. And if you don't have the capacity to execute on something like that, the, the results might be just as muddy as these proxy metrics. And I'm not criticizing the methodology. I'm just asking for your expertise. How can someone who's never even gone down that path of incrementality really try to take it on for the first time and do so in an accurate way? Yeah, absolutely. So there is this notion, as you're alluding, of statistical significance that needs to factor into all measuring, all measurement. And where you see that predominantly is in things that require third parties to measure incrementality. So if you're working with a brand, if your KPI is brand lift and you're working with a brand study 
uh, survey vendor, there is going to be a minimum number of impressions that are required to do things like separate the control group and the test group and do so in a way that achieves statistic. When you're talking about online conversions, so visit to a website or visits to or, or purchases online, statistic is, is really less of a factor um, in terms of um, tonnage, right? So even some of the smallest advertisers who are running reasonably sized campaigns, nowhere approaching the size and scale of, of say a Fortune 500 marketer can get the same benefits out of measuring incrementality. And again, it's almost even more important for them to do given that they are spending what is to them a, a lot of money and they got to make sure that it works. Okay, understood. Tell me just, I think you're alluding it, you're referencing this in your recent response, but how, how can one of these startups or medium-sized uh, brands really compete with the dominant advertiser uh, using the dominant technology that's really achieving those the that scale and even economies of scale in their ad buys, et cetera? How can these small to medium-sized businesses really compete in that type of environment? Yeah, so there's no way to answer this without wandering into a pitch uh, for what we do. So I'll try very hard to make this as non-commercial sounding as possible. Uh, the reason I say that is because it's why we were founded, right? To help advertisers and agencies um, who aren't perhaps in the Fortune 100 um, punch above their weight. Uh, and gain access to many of the tools that only the large holding co-owned agencies or the world's largest marketers have historically had access to. We've done so through a combination of product, building a platform that was designed for the modern marketing era and not something that was built 11, 12 years ago in a very different time in the industry and, and the world. We do so by having great partnerships with enabling technologies that help us provide a more extensible and, and, and holistic solution. And we do through embracing machine learning and augmented and artificial intelligence to take what we know about a ad opportunity, all the different data points that are available, first party, third party, and so on, and then building an algorithm that is designed to address the particular marketer's um, KPI uh, and do so in a way that is more intelligent, if you will, than human algorithm designers um, would be able to do. All of those things together means it's a heck of a lot less expensive to execute on behalf of a mid-sized uh, marketer or a mid-sized agency. And so we're bringing to them capabilities that were just out of reach. The sort of last piece is people. We are a relatively small company. We are a startup. We're scrappy. We're agile. A customer comes to us and says, I want to do this thing. Have you ever heard of it? Can you do it? More often than not, we'll say yes, because we don't have a legacy business running with older metrics to defend. We're here to make the industry better. And I think it's working. I think what I was hoping you could break down for us is I think the shift or the split, it's not really a shift, but there's two camps here, let's say, better way to put it. <clears throat> there's performance marketers who say, I need to know that that this shopping cart was attributed specifically to Peter, a uh, very deterministic methodology. I spend $100 on Facebook ads, I get $500 in shopping cart sales. That's a five to one return on ad spend. And then there's almost this other camp, which is uh, a little more brand awareness, a little more about ra raising awareness in general and making sure the consumer knows of a particular product or service. And the performance of that second camp 
it seems to be, in my opinion, a lot harder to measure. You mentioned brand lift surveys and things like that, but how does either your technology or your experience play into that sort of uh, bifurcated strategy? You're either going to be raising awareness to people that have no idea that you're around, or you're going right for the conversion to try to push people through your funnel in a very transactional way. Regardless of maybe any bias for any one of those two strategies, what are you recommending these days? How does your technology assist with both of those or achieve the goals for both of those two camps? Yeah, great question. Great point. You are clearly singing the same songs that we are with marketers on a daily basis. The answer is we have integrated incrementality measurement at all the various funnel stages into the platform. So you're exactly right. Historically, you would typically only use incrementality measurement at the bottom of the funnel. But what about the top and the middle? What about awareness? What about getting into people's consideration set? What about driving them towards a decision? That is something that we pride ourselves in. In having integrated something that we're, I think, pretty unique with and having built always on incrementality measurement and optimization um, and having that integrated into the platform and not needing marketers, not needing to go out and do third-party deals, source a 50 to, I don't know, $500,000 study, really get data in as close to real time as possible. So unfortunately, in the past, a marketer would run a brand list study and it would cost them a bunch of money. And they would get the results at the end of the campaign or after the campaign ended, or at best, they could pay for a mid-flight report. But by that point, it's too late. What are you going to do after your campaign is over and you've spent your budget and you find that like maybe it didn't really lift brand awareness and maybe it didn't improve perception and maybe you just didn't run on the right kinds of media or maybe you just didn't have the right targeting. It's too, and we think that's crazy. And so we care a lot about making sure that what we collect, what we measure and what we optimize is done in as close to real time as, as possible. So here's a challenge for you. I think a lot of marketers, digital marketers, or, or even some of more of the traditional folks, they have a maybe a bad taste in their mouth about programmatic, or they would say things like, without human intervention or human insight, the AI and Google optimizing your paid search and Facebook optimizing for conversion value and things like that are only going to get you so far. And so I know you you have a, an amazing technology, you're using programmatic features and getting content and, and pushing advertisers in that direction. So how would you defend programmatic advertising as a channel or as a campaign type to those who doubt it? Great. So it would definitely be fair to say that programmatic is a shit show. Apologies if you have to bleep that out. In 2010, it no longer is. So the beginning of programmatic was exactly as you described. It was by and large only display and then eventually video and then eventually mobile. No, it was predominantly remnant or unsold inventory. So not exactly the, the cream of the crop supply from the world's best publishers. And to your further point, it created this sense of mistrust uh, among many marketers and technology companies really trying to zero in on what am I buying? What's it worth? And what sort of metrics am I going to get out of it? A lot has changed over the past 10, 12 years. Programmatic is 
certainly a heck of a lot better received by most marketers than it was e even a few years ago. Programmatic is no longer a, a tactic, right? It's no longer a marketing strategy. We're approaching a world in which programmatic is the only way that you're going to execute, whether it's run of network or, or sort of open auction type deals, or it's a deal that is a marketer has negotiated directly with a media property owner, and that it simply executes over programmatic pipes. Programmatic is just the rails, right? It's the means of execution, and you can run everything from native campaigns that would in the past require a direct IO, an asset sharing between a, a network or a publisher and an advertiser, all the way to linear TV. We've just integrated some linear TV programmatic capabilities into the platform. And again, when you think back to the 2010, 2011 world, we were all dreaming that marketers would be able to shift some spend from broadcast, which was always the big prize for publishers. And so here we are in, in 2022, and, and not only has for the past 10 years, broadcast spend been shifting in many cases to digital, well, now you can buy broadcast, right? Yes, for a while you've been able to buy CTV and OTT and programmatic, but now you can do things like interactive units in CTV that, that also involve the user's mobile phone. That's really cool. Now you can do digital out of home. You can decide in you know real time which ad is going to run on which billboard in, in Times Square. That's super cool. And I think it all points to this notion of programmatic is becoming a technique. It's becoming a technical term and, and much less its own uh, separate uh, marketing world in and of itself. It's, it's programmatic is marketing is programmatic, if that makes sense. It does. Well said. And I think that's a good backdrop for where the future is going. It does make sense. It's not computers, machine learning algorithms it is going to have a decreasing effect on the marketing and advertising landscape in the future. All signs point to it improving and more and more people headed that way. I think one last challenge for you here, which is programmatic and digital really hinges on the ability to track data and track that customer. And so with privacy laws changing, Google, Apple closing the doors on some of the best customers in the world and making their walled gardens walls even higher, how does your solution or programmatic in general fit into that in an environment where maybe the data quality is being eroded away? Talk us through how you guys are dealing with that or, or what you think the future holds for privacy and the ability to target customers as accurately as you can today or say even a year ago. Our view is that these changes are good. And our feeling is that they can't possibly happen quickly enough. These are changes that consumers deserve. I think a lot of people in the space tried very hard with some earlier iterations of privacy-friendly features to make those the, the standard for a variety of reasons. It didn't always work that way. You've got legislation like CCPA and, and other states' privacy legislation. You've got GDPR in Europe. The consumers of the world, the internet users of the world have said loudly and clearly, you're not going to have me be the product you're selling without my consent. And that's fair. And that's good. These changes that are being made by companies like ours and certainly companies like Google and Apple are good. We want to be, for instance, the first entirely cookie-less DSP 
by the end of this year. How are we going to do it? A bunch of different ways, right? So we're a DSP, we're a demand side platform. We sit on the demand side. We want to be able to run using whatever standard our clients want us to. And so there are multiple competing non-personally identifiable ID standards that are emerging. Google has one, uh, UID 2.0 is another, LiveRamp has another. They're all, they're all great. They all have their unique twists, but we're not going to hitch our uh, wagon to any one particular format because there's just too much that's unknown um, at this point. To, to better address your question on data quality and, and erosion of the signal that marketers have been addicted to, I think you're never going to go back to a world in which contextual um, is the only way. Marketers are absolutely hooked on the behavioral targeting crack. It's not going away. It'll get more privacy compliant. It'll get more consumer friendly, but it's not going to go away. And, and so if you're a media owner and you're hanging your hat only on contextual, once the cookie changes happen, it's not going to be good. And, and further to that, if you look at some of the, the prevailing solutions, a technique that's going to be used is authenticated traffic, right? So people having logged in, having consented to have their ID used for targeting and attribution purposes, we estimate, and this is just pulled out of our best guesstimate, no data around this yet, that about 30% of the, pop, the online pop is going to provide those consents uh, for authorized traffic and, and logs in, log ins that are federated across websites and channels. Um, and what that means is that traffic, that inventory is going to become in much greater demand by marketers, right? Because they want that richness of data. They want deterministic data whenever they can get it. They want probabilistic data to be accurate. And so those web publishers, those broadcasters who participate in these new identity programs stand to gain quite a bit. I would expect CPMs to go higher. Um, I would expect uh, volume on their properties to go higher. And I would expect those properties that are not on board with these changes to sell less. I think there's always going to be some degree of spray and pray. There's always going to be some degree of contextual, but it's not the lion's share. And we don't see it becoming that. We're not going to turn the clock all the way back to 1999 or, or 2000, where you can only execute using, I want to buy people who uh, are on the automotive section of this website. And so they must be in market for an auto. It's a whole separate conversation about why that's not ideal. It's an element of marketing. It's, it can't be the whole answer. It can't be the whole story. And we cheer these changes on. You mentioned walled gardens. Look, we take Google with Chrome and, and Apple's changes at, at face value, which is to say, they care about their customers, they care about consumers, and they want to do the right thing for the industry. Never mind that they have their own um, advertising businesses in, in, in many cases, that's either here nor there. They're, they own the pipes in many cases, or they own the last mile. And we are happily going to work with them and beginning to work with them to deliver advertising to consumers that is privacy-friendly, consumer-friendly, and non-violative of, of either laws, regulations, or, or even some of the self-guiding principles that the industry's rallied around. So for our audience that might be listening to this and they're looking to shift some of that budget or come check out your solution, where should they go? Get a plug in for your uh, product and let's help some folks find out what you guys have to offer and shift some of that spend your way. 
So yeah, we would love folks to come to martin.ai. We'd love people to become customers, but, but you don't have to. On our site, if you were to click on the news button, we have an array of points of view that we've written that are totally free. You don't gotta be a customer, you don't have to buy anything on some of the biggest trends shaping the industry, including the retirement of third-party cookies for advertising, including the shift to stri uh, streaming audio and CTV. Check it out. If you have any questions, reach out to us, uh, hello at martin.ai, or just take a look and see what you think. You heard it here first, folks. Thank you so much to Lewis. Thank you so much to Lewis Rothkop from Martin for being on the show and breaking down everything there is to know about DSP, about programmatic, about how to get more out of your marketing spend in this rapidly changing environment. If you guys have any questions or want to learn more, head over to martin.ai and sign up for a demo and reach out to sales so you can get more out of your marketing and advertising spend. Lewis, thanks again for being on the show. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off.